This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. This is our third in a podcast series produced again by Chapter 49 featuring Duncan Giles, our chapter president. Uh, Duncan, welcome once again. Always good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well, Larry, and I appreciate you taking the time and effort to do this for us. Oh, it's it's, it's a labor of love, or we wouldn't be doing this. I'm I'm a volunteer, not being paid, and and donating the uh, the technical side of this, but that's okay. People need to know what's going on. And I went back and listened uh, for basically just technical quality reasons to our last podcast. Realized I kept promising people that I was going to ask you how to get in contact with you, so I don't forget this time. Let's do that on the front end. Just remind people how you can be reached. Absolutely. Uh, emails are duncan.giles at irs.gov during business hours. If you want to reach me after business hours or on the weekend, nteu49 at aol.com. And the phone number to uh, reach me or leave a message is 317-613-1731. Well, it's been one week since you and I talked, so uh, just summarize. We'll, we'll drill down on some of these in a little more detail, but just summarize the developments as you have seen them from your perch in the last week since we've talked last. Uh, well, the IRS and its infinite wisdom is lurching ahead as best it can uh, in its own method and semi-madness. The, uh, the folks that are teleworking, that have been teleworking, we're hoping that they'll still have enough work to remain that way. The folks who are in the call site have uh, volunteers are now teleworking, we hope. And there are a couple that have actually gone back to the building starting yesterday. So it's it's very small, but it's starting to see, you know, more of an effort of gearing back up. Well, let's start with uh, the accounts management call center. Uh, you did fill me in and, and copied me on some of the email traffic that was going on between you and the management. And uh, if my, my understanding is... When you asked how many people were working in the call site building itself, the number was three. Now, if I understand the system correctly, there, there would be more management and system officials in the building than people working the phones in that case. I, I would imagine most of the managers, since there are only three of them working uh, in the building to take calls, which really surprised me. I, I was sure there would be more. Um, I would think that most of the management officials are have gone back to teleworking, but I don't know. All right. So there had to at least be one management official. Somebody needed to work the system. So it wasn't that there wasn't a large number of people there total, I guess is the bottom line. Correct. Correct. Well, uh, you just mentioned this. You, you said the service is doing its best as we can tell to try to set people up in home, taking these phone calls. I believe the number was 22. Have you received any feedback? How is that going as best you can discern? Uh, well, as, uh, I, as of this morning, I have not heard if the majority had gotten headsets, which are kind of useful if you're going to be talking to taxpayers on a regular basis. And apparently, and I know this will shock a great many of our members, the uh, IRS system is having problems and issues people starting to go on, in particular with the Jabber system, which is used for voice communications over the laptop. 
apparently that's locking up quite regularly, which is not going to be helpful with people taking calls. So you could be in the middle of a conversation and at this Jabber software, which deals with the actual you know, audio uh, conversation freezes up, uh, the conversation just ends? It ends, and we've also discovered that people may have thought that they would have a system uh, strong enough to uh, be able to take calls with their home system and do not have enough bandwidth there, or it could be some of our own system and what bandwidth we do have being overwhelmed by the number of people that have started going on across the country uh, as of uh, yesterday. So the the bottom line is uh, slowly, very slowly, the uh, toll-free system is opening up. Have you received any feedback from other chapters? Uh, how this Have there been any particular issues other than the the Jabber software that you heard about? Any, what's, what's going on? Are people able to call into the IRS, or is it still virtually impossible to do that if you're a taxpayer? Uh, I have not tried myself or heard much about that, but th- what little anecdotal evidence I have on that is it's still very tough to get through and um, only opening and answering questions on a very limited basis. Uh, it's not going to be wide open, my guess would be, for quite some time. All right. So the, the scope is extremely limited, and I would guess, and, and this, and tell me what you know, if anything, on this, uh, even if you're working the telephones, you're, work, you know, you're on your systems checking what's there. If the campuses have been virtually closed or closed, then nobody's there to update the information. So if you say, for example, if I say, well, I filed a... a a paper tax return several weeks ago, it would be quite unlikely that's even in the system. Am I understanding that right? Uh, Yeah, we would probably, you can't say this, but we'd probably be wanting to say, well, it's probably still on one of the many semis full of that haven't been unloaded yet. Yeah, I I, I hear you. So it's there, but it, uh, it has to be processed and we just haven't had people there to process, which brings me, to my next issue, a week ago, we discussed the Kansas City campus. We used to call them service center campus. They're just big places where a lot of processing is done, and Kansas City is one of the bigger ones in the nation. Uh, you had mentioned that you've been in contact with uh, the chapter in Kansas City uh, at the campus, and they had uh, informed you that uh, there was a positive test amongst the staff. Uh, the uh, office, uh, the whole campus, the whole complex was closed, as I understand it, to do deep cleaning and prepare to reopen. Any uh, word on the status of that? Uh, the last I had heard, they did reopen, uh, because they do have shifts that go all night, they did reopen Sunday night. And so far, they've had no reoccurrence of that. But I would imagine uh, that there are much fewer people there than were volunteered the first time just because they're leery about going back in with the possibility of somebody else having a positive test. It, is the IRS offering any any testing at all? Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm, what I'm saying that is that that campus is a big place. They're bringing all these people back slowly. And if there's no testing, uh, I guess the only thing that comes to my mind is that what are the risks they could have a, another positive uh, test? Uh, it would have to be pretty high if the service cannot test people. And 
and, and, and my understanding is the, the service doesn't have the ability to test people for coronavirus. And that's exactly correct. We, we're not even, I mean, even doing a minimum, which is taking the temperature of people coming in and leaving, um, they're not doing, they're not going to be doing that at posts of duty or uh, remote call sites. And I don't believe they're doing it at campuses either. So even doing the, something minimum like that, we're not able to done. So it's, you know, under, people are understandably leery about going back to someplace that large with the possibility that they may end up getting infected. Well, I guess we could always uh, request the White House testing regime, couldn't we? I am having no comment <laughs> whatsoever. I'm sorry. I mean, it's, uh, it's, and, and it's in the news. Everybody has seen it, that there's been a major <laughs> coronavirus outbreak on the West Wing of the White House. I have never been there. I've actually known a couple of people that worked in a, in a White House, and, and they all told me the same thing. You wouldn't believe how cramped it is. Uh, it's not a big place. You get that feeling watching a movie or, or, or watching a TV show. But they said, if you're working in a West Wing, you are cramped with lots yeah, of other yeah. people. And so the, this outbreak was not surprising to some of these people just because of the nature of that work. But, you know, it's a political thing, and it didn't really matter who the president is. Uh, if you have a an office close to the president or in that wise, even if it's on the upper floor of the West Wing, certainly on the same floor as the president, you know, real estate is power, and how close you are is is kind of a message in itself. So nobody wants to give it up, even if they're risking their health. Find that interesting. But it's just a side comment that uh, there are at least uh, small parts of the government that are testing Every day, it appears. Um, yeah, and like you said, depends on who it is and uh, where it is. Where when you have somebody like a uh, Dr. Fauci who is self quarantining because he's been in contact with someone who has that and doing the right things. I mean, you just like you said, it, it gets stacked up when you have a lot of people in meetings, and you you know whether it's a service center or like you said, the West Wing of the White House. When you have a lot of people in a small area, the chances of catching COVID-19 go up exponentially, and you don't want to take that chance if you can help it. Well, let's talk about the offices in, in Indiana. We did that a week ago, and I do that because I mentioned this because Governor Holcomb has begun to slowly provide a system for reopening. Now, Marion County, where there there are two uh, IRS uh, yeah, two IRS offices in, in Marion County, uh, you know, that's those rules are different. There's a different set of uh, challenges as far as coronavirus is concerned. Three for three counties, Lake County, Cass, and Marion. And, and of course in Lake and Marion there are IRS offices. There is an IRS office in Carmel just outside Indianapolis. That would be Hamilton County and different rules. So as far as you, what you know, has Governor Holcomb's uh, uh, plan or steps, if you will, to reopen the state had any impact on IRS's plans to continue to close offices, open them? What, what do you know about that? Well, that would entail IRS sharing with uh, NTU, either nationally or locally, what the plan is. And I uh, can make a proviso with that is if they have a plan yet. Because I do know that they haven't shared, uh, if they do have a plan with very many uh, people, executives on down. What we have to keep in mind is, is that although they may listen to what different state officials and local officials have to say, uh, the federal government 
is basically being directed by OPM. That's who controls whether we are working in a office environment or whether an office is open or not. And so IRS will get their instructions from OPM and our wonderful HCO people, Human Capital Office, will then decipher it and try and figure out and come up with a plan on how they want to do that. Again, supposedly there's going to be some sort of nationwide playbook and how that's going to you know, play in New York City versus Lincoln, Nebraska versus South Bend, Indiana versus San Jose, California. We have no idea at this point. So I guess this goes back to something you mentioned last week, and I just wanted to reaffirm it again, that uh, the governors may say one thing, our governor may say one thing, and yet uh, when it comes to federal facilities, it's the Office of Personnel Management, OPM, it's uh, the Human Capital Office, the HCO Office at IRS. They are the ones that are going to call those shots, and uh, those instructions will be coming through the federal system. That's, I think, what you're trying to say, right? Exactly. Okay. Well, um, with I guess there's a lot of mayhem out there, and, I, and some of it is, 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 is not the service's fault. It's just dealing with unprecedented challenges at this particular time. But our contracts with IRS, NTU has with, with IRS, are very specific about when employees are going to receive their mid-year evaluation and their annual appraisal. So I know that you've been hearing from people on this, you've been discussing this with some people at the National Union. For those people who have mid-years or annual appraisals coming up, uh, what's your message to them? It's going to be an interesting time. Um, Right now, I think the service would like to keep on track, but just due to circumstances, in many instances, they can't. Uh, Literally, the managers may or may not be working, um, specifically in W&I, for the uh, field assistance and the uh, accounts management to a lesser degree. But a lot of the employees aren't working, so therefore they have a hard time sharing them with this. So things like mid-years, annual appraisals, uh, grievances that were in process, there's going to be a... uh, basically a hold on a lot of this stuff until we get it figured out. We just, what the IRS and national NTU have both shared is that we don't want to have any employees harmed. And I think everybody is working towards this goal that we don't want to have anyone um, get in trouble because they don't have their annual appraisal in time for possibility of getting an award for the calendar year, things of that nature. Or if they're applying for a job that if they don't have their annual appraisal or it's too old, that they have the ability to request an ad hoc appraisal so they will be able to still put in for that position because the IRS is still advertising positions out there. Yeah, that was my next question. I mean, uh, from what I understand, even though all these challenges are going on, IRS is promoting and hiring people. I, I... don't know how they're doing it. I, I take a look at the lists of people uh, that are hired across the country every uh, pay period, and it just astounds me um, for the service centers that have dozens of people being hired. And I'm like going, how does this occur during a shutdown? How do you do an onboarding? How do you do training? I don't even pretend to try and guess what's going to be happening with this. 
had a manager that reached out to me um, last week and said, hey, we've got a new hire. We're going to be onboarding them through uh, remote issues with, you know, not even bringing them in. And then we're going to be putting them on weather and safety leave. And I'm like, okay. what, a, what a way to start a new job. huh? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the federal government. <laughs> Was this person hired from the outside or do you know? Hired from the outside, I believe. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> welcome to the federal government. We're going to pay you to stay home. I, I <laughs> just uh, you know, again, it's nobody's fault. It's just the nature of the uh, of the challenges that we that we all have to deal with. Now, I want to mention something here because you brought this to my attention, and I've I put this on our Facebook uh, page. And if you look, want to subscribe, want to like or follow our Facebook page, just go on Facebook and. If you don't know where it is, and just uh, uh, search using NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. Please put that Indiana at the end. NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. You can follow us there. You can uh, like us there. The reason I bring it up now is because I posted there uh, the fact that we now, uh, on a national level, have, uh, have, have put together, and it's sad we have to do this, a memorial page for the IRS and Employees who were NTU members whom we have lost due to coronavirus. And I believe the last count I heard was five, and it may go up from there. Um, so it's sad that that has to happen. Now, any NTEU member, if you haven't already done it, you can go online to nteu.org, and you can register as long as you're a member, get easy access to the website, and then the, the you can check that memorial page. It's it's something important that the union felt it needed to do. Uh, do we know, Duncan, whether these people contracted coronavirus uh, on the job or some other way? Uh, those details are not known, so I, I can't speak to that. I can say that um, our national leaders believe very strongly in the safety and health of all the members and that when they see something like this, whether they contracted it at work, I hope they did not, or elsewhere, it's just a sad situation to lose anyone. Yeah. But much less a member of NTU uh, across all the agencies that we have to lose someone like this. So we want to make sure that they are recognized for their work because they are dedicated federal employees who have basically lost their lives too soon. Yeah, what I try to tell people when you th- when you imagine it, uh, these numbers of people who have died due to coronavirus, every one of them just a few weeks ago were healthy and working and, and doing the normal things we all do. And the only reason they're not here is because of this virus. This is an awful, awful situation. And uh, yeah, we want to give special uh, special recognition to people who work for IRS, or members of NTEU. And we've lost. Hate to have to even do that, but uh, it's important that they those folks be recognized. And you're welcome to to take a look at that memorial page. Any NTU member can, if you're already registered, you can get on to that website nteu.org, or just go ahead and register if you're a member. That's a very easy system to use. And I would like to note, thank goodness that none of them have been Indiana employees. Yeah, nobody. So like, yeah, yeah. Thanks for like mentioning. 
going. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. That's an important point. That we know of nobody in Indiana yet that has passed away who, who uh, is an NTU member in Indiana. We hope it stays that way. But uh, let me ask you. I mean, you are connected to your IRS system. You have, you accept emails outside the IRS system, and people can call you and your phone number. Uh, what are you hearing? What questions are people asking you these days? People are very nervous about having to come back to work before they think they should. They're worried about having to come into a building where even with social distancing, they're worried about it being cleaned. And more importantly, if they're high risk or have child care issues, they're worried about how to handle that. And we've asked both locally and nationally, and I've talked to, I can't, countless executives about this. And... Almost to a person, they've said, we understand it, we know, okay, what are you going to do about it? Well, we're still formulating the plan. I mean, it's because this is such a big, huge unknown that nobody's ever had to deal with right now. So there is no plan for it. They're trying to do what best they can, but we're trying to make sure that when employees do come in, there's proper cleaning, there's enough sanitation. Um, there are masks and I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb now and say that, um, chapter 49 right now is working on something, um, for some PPP, PPE, excuse me, uh, face equipment for folks. So we're going to be, we're working on that as we speak, just to try and make sure that they're in a safer environment, whether they're at work or, you know, in a grocery store. But people are still concerned. I mean, you don't see the curve lessening. You still see a number of deaths. Uh, The cases are growing. There are more cases in Indiana and across the country as more testing is done. So you would expect more cases. But people are rightly concerned that they don't want to come back into a work environment that is going to be hazardous to their health. The one thing I am hopeful of is that We've shown that a great many jobs and positions can be done via telework. And we're hoping that this expanded telework where people will not have to really come into the office unless absolutely necessary will be able to continue, if not permanently, for at least quite a long time to make it through this pandemic. And we don't know how long that'll go. We've heard, you know, that there could be a definite repeat of this. It might have a certain lull in the summer and then kick back up in the fall and winter. So we want to make sure that employees are as safe as possible. Very good. I, yeah, I think that, you know, I, I remember, and I, again, I'm dating myself a little bit. I actually was uh, working with NTEU. I can't remember if I was vice president of the chapter at that time. But I traveled the state explaining the new, what we then call FlexiPlace Agreement, if anybody's been around long enough to remember that phrase, and uh, explaining to people what it was going to be like to work out of, out of your home and have that equipment and so forth. And that was, Duncan, that was the mid-1990s. You know, we've had this technology out there for a long time. And, and what I found is that most employees are for it. If you were against it and they wanted to come in the office, that was fun. But I found a real mixed bag of how management approached it. And I think most managers understand its value. But do we still have some management officials, you think, who really are not 
that uh, crazy about people working out of their homes. What's your view on that? I think that's exactly correct. The, the vast majority of managers understand that it's a great tool to use. It works for them as well. So if people are more productive at home, the manager knows that they're working, Why? what is the problem? Now, if they need to come in, pick up casework, pick up mail, post checks, things of that nature, then they should be able to. The, you know, the main problem and issue has been always we want to make sure that if they're based outside of their commuting area, that their home doesn't become their POD due to locality pay issues. But I think that's something that can be easily worked. But you're always going to have those micromanagers that, and I was just answering some questions on it um, for some other chapter presidents earlier today about, you know, using Skype as basically a monitoring system. And, you you know, it's one of those things where, yes, you if you're teleworking, you need to have Skype on. But if your manager is coming to you and saying, hey, you know, I noticed that you were away from your computer from Skype for 18 minutes. What were you doing? Well, that's something different than using Skype as its intended purpose, which is to communicate with employees. So it's, it's a fine line between wanting to make sure employees are okay and standing over employees because you don't know how to manage remotely. I, I remember when, when uh, what we then call FlexiPlace first started, there was one particular group manager, I won't use any names, uh, who was really not for it and made that pretty clear. But his wife worked for the service, and she started using uh, the then FlexiPlace system all the time. It's funny how his view changed over a few months. But uh, it, Isn't that amazing how that works? <laughs> you know, one, uh, one, one part of IRS we haven't talked much about is what's called LB&I. That's the large business and international part of IRS, the, the agents who tend to be higher grade to deal with the more complex uh, issues and higher level issues in our examinations, there's being some hiring done. Will that help anybody locally? Uh, When we talk locally, it might in Indianapolis, but for the majority of cities, it will not. LB&I, in their infinite, quote, wisdom, unquote, has decided that they're only going to be hiring in these large or capital cities. So it doesn't matter where you're at. The vast majority of LB&I work now can be done remotely, especially uh, the different types of uh, subgroups that they have out there, uh, whether it's a committee or whether it's you know high wealth, something of that nature, where you don't have to be on site, where you're not having to do an audit on site. Those can be done remotely, but they still will not put people in uh, smaller towns in these positions. And when I've had employees ask me about this, I literally tell them it's going to take an act of Congress because they want to know what NTU is doing about it. And I say, it's an act of Congress. And they're going, what do you mean? By statute, management has the right to assign the work. And that includes where the work will be done from. We don't agree with it. We've pushed back on it. We've shown them how it can work effectively from anywhere. But in their infinite, again, wisdom, they don't want to listen to that, and they're going to do this program for right now where they're only hiring in these large cities. So it's taking a lot of good employees out of the mix who, you know, for some silly reason, like I don't know, 
spouses and families that don't want to move can't go to a New York City or an Atlanta, Georgia from a uh, South Bend, Indiana. It's It makes no sense logically, but again, unfortunately, it's their rules. Okay, so if any, there will be in Indianapolis, if there are any uh, LB&I openings, that's what you're, and what grade level will these likely be? Uh, 13 and 14s. Okay, so we have more 14s uh, in the bargaining unit than we used to, I guess. Yeah, they've they've done some case grading, and some of the 14s that were non-bargaining unit at one point years and years ago are now back uh you know, case managers is the old term, uh, coordinators. They're now able to uh, be in the bargaining unit. And depending upon the type of program that they're hiring for, then they still uh, post those 14s out there. Well, it's good to know at least there's something to shoot for for somebody who, uh, who of course, you may have to move, but at least that's, you know, you know where – well, what you're what you're going for if you want to go that way in your career. All right, one last thing we want to talk about, and that's in trying to deal with managers. We have good and bad managers in the IRS. You and I both know that. I've I found that out both as a union rep and as a, being a manager myself. So when you're dealing with a manager uh, as an employee, uh, Talk about communication and how you, if you say that something happened with your manager and your manager disagrees, what kind of, how do you prove this? Talk about this issue when you're, you've got a manager and employee kind of at loggerheads and they don't seem to agree whether the sky is, is, is blue or gray. What do you do? And unfortunately, this happens more than any of us would like. There are an awful lot of good managers in the service. I've dealt with them from frontline to executives, an awful lot of good ones. But there are enough bad ones to make you want to pound your head on your desk. And like you said, if you say the sky is blue, they'll say the sky is green. As I always tell employees, knowing versus proving are two different things. You have to document it. So if a manager tells you something, you want to, if they tell to you verbally, you want to send them an email saying, my understanding is, is you are directing me to do this, this, and this. Get it in writing from them. So that way, when you do this, this, and this, they can't come back and say, oh, no, I told you to do, you know, C, D, and E, and you did A, B, uh, you did A and B. Well, no, that's why I sent it to you in writing. And I found that managers who are not the uh, best at handling people uh, get frustrated by this and want employees to call them instead of putting something in writing. And talking with your manager is great, and I always encourage open communications, always. But back that up with an email saying, this is my understanding. That way you've got it documented, you've got it in writing, and you're doing as they directed. It's just protecting yourself. Okay, I I think that's uh, just about it for this week, unless there's anything else you'd uh, like to add before we go. The only thing I want to say is I just want everybody to stay safe and healthy. It is still scary out there, even though there's some reopening. Be cautious. Be mindful. Wear a mask when you're out if you're going to be among people. And just take care of yourselves. We don't want to lose anybody. 
I want to thank people for listening. We had a very good response the first week while we posted this, uh, this, this particular podcast. We had even more listeners on the second, and uh, this is our third uh, podcast we've produced, what will hopefully become a regular series. So if you know of someone who might have an interest in what we talk about, just let them know. Send them a link or just make them aware of what's going on. We always post uh, a link on our Facebook page. Duncan Giles, go ahead, please. Yeah, Thing to discuss send me send me an email or give me a call and say we'll be happy to uh, put it on the podcast yeah to let duncan know and uh, if it's of wide uh, interest we will certainly uh, discuss it here duncan thank you you say stay stay safe and uh have a good rest of your week thank you very much larry appreciate it